the Deep Dive podcast was filmed in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> Coming to you from an undisclosed location, thousands of fathoms beneath the sea, this is the Deep Dive Podcast. All ahead, one-third, off scope. Battle stations. Battle stations! Hello, divers! Welcome to a brand new episode of the Deep Dive Podcast. The only podcast that makes its own gravy. Mmm. My name's Tom Feeney, writer for... Wang's Shop Movie Magazine, available on Amazon.com. And with me, as always, is my fabulous co-host, Goliathon. Goliathon. Which is a callback to our previous Because we have a episode. series. Yeah, it's a thing. It's an awesome thing. It's actually Manda, in case you guys didn't know. It's Manda. It's Manda. Mandathon. No, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Nah, oh. too much. All right. Oh. Last time on the Deep Dive Podcast. We delved into the wild world of giant monster movies. This episode, we're downsizing a bit with part two, little creatures. <laughs> some creatures, some little creatures are wise, like Yoda. Oh. Some are hilarious, like Orko from Masters of the Universe. Some are even scary, like Hervé Villachez. <laughs> now, they say great things come in small packages, and they, whoever they are, are absolutely right. So keep your eyes down, protect your ankles, Amanda, what have you got for us today? I have a bone to pick with that thought, though. Which one? Well, the other thing that great things come in small packages. Okay. Explain fun-sized candy bars. They're fun-sized. Right, but that doesn't mean that they're great. Well, if you eat a bunch of them, they are. Uh, true. Yeah. Anyways, I got a couple of picks. Let me start with my first one, which I absolutely love. Go for it. Yes. It's 1998's Small Soldiers. Ooh, right? I love that movie. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So it's directed by Joe Dante, which, incidentally, he also directed Gremlins. Gremlins. Oh, man. So good. Uh, it has Kirsten Dunst, uh, who, of course, you know from Spider-Man. Yes. Uh, Gregory, Gregory Smith from Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century, wow. and The Patriot. The Patriot's a fantastic movie with Mel Gibson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, not The Postman? N nope. Nope. That's the Patriot. One? The Patriot. Yeah. I always get those mixed up. Yeah. Um, not to be confused with our Patriots who just won number six Super Bowl. Okay, sorry. I thought we weren't... No sports reference. I'm sorry. I just can't help it. Okay. It also has a huge star-studded cast, though. We're talking David Cross, Phil Hartman, Jay Moore, Kevin Dunn, Dennis Leary. All of these people are in this movie. That makes me sad when you mention Phil Hartman. I know. It is quite sad. Also, why, weren't quite a few of these people on SNL? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times they'll do that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Anyways, basic plot, right? Uh, story revolves around a kid named Alan, who is Gregory Smith. Uh, his dad owns a toy shop, right? And his dad thinks that what better opinion can I get for these new toys that are coming out than my teenage son, who still plays with action figure action figures and toys. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Um. Side note: It's it was really quite nice to see a family-owned toy shop again because you don't really see those anymore. Even things like FIO Schwartz and Hamleys in England, it's all giant mega corporations. You know, like KB Toys is gone, and all these other small game shops and toy shops are just non-existent right now. Yeah. It's actually quite sad. Thanks, Amazon. Yeah. No, really, thanks, Amazon. No, I can no. Get anything I Thank you. I mean, hashtag sponsor. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, so Alan's father is like, "Hey, I need your opinion." 
And Alan discovers these new hot trend toys. Um, some of them are like animal-esque humanoids, and they're called the Gorgonites. And then there are soldiers called the Commando Elite. Well, unbeknownst to Alan, there are implanted chips inside these toys to make them better, bigger, faster, that actually come from technology which is akin to missile technology well i mean we're talking the 90s but yeah yeah, something that probably shouldn't be in little kids toys so what happens naturally these toys come alive global tech defense system in a secret lab the world's most advanced military microprocessor has been created but the cold war is over for Globotech to survive, new markets must be found. Now, all that power has been placed into the brain of a fighting machine unlike any known to man. They made it strong. They made it clever. They made it small. They made a mistake. They develop a consciousness of their own and war ensues between the Gorgonites, which are the animal-y sort of humanoid people, and the Commando Elite, who are very, very well-versed soldiers. So basically the movie falls along the, um, the battles and the, you know, interference and the interactions between the Gorgonites and the Commando Elite and Alan, who's in the middle, has to save the world from these tiny, small soldiers. Yes, because they uh, are a choking hazard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't want to spoil the ending, but it is, it's it's so cute. And honestly, I think a lot of the, the funniness comes from the cast themselves. So I actually found out that the Commando Elite is um, voiced by almost all of the Dirty Dozen folks oh really yeah yeah so like ernest borgnine and uh some other folks oh uh bruce dern is in there yeah 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 um i think he was only about like 85 at the time of this but you know bruce dern very intense yes um and then also on the opposite side of that the gorgonites are voiced by the guys from spinal tap spinal tap so uh harry shearer yeah yes he's a baron by the way did you know that? A yeah. Real Baron. A real Baron. Yeah. He's also married to Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was in the Halloween. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That one. You know, that small movie. Yeah, the little Halloween movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it's a really funny movie. And it's actually kind of like creepy because much like Gremlins, who um, Joe Dante also did direct, it has this like small creatures taking over the planet and you kind of are not in control of anything and you get a little bit fearful. Like, how do they know how to use rockets and, like, knives and all these, like, human weapons? Uh, It's just crazy. Um, So, IMDb gives it a 6.1. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 48, which I realize is not that high. Uh, I'm giving a 7.5. I think the story's hilarious. I love the characters. I love the Gorgonites. They're so cute. Mm -hmm. And the star-studded cast. Yes. Yes. You can watch this currently right now on Vudu. If you have a subscription, you can also get it on Hulu and Amazon Prime. Totally on board with that pick. I love Small Soldiers. It was a good movie, wasn't it? Such a fun little flick. I know. I think it gets forgotten. It does. It does. Especially where I think people think, oh, it's just, you know, animatronics, whatnot. But the animation was really good. It was really good. And the CG. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Good pick. Thanks. Now, for me, I'm going as usual a little dark with my 
I am totally surprised by that. No, you're not. <laughs> My pick is 1982's Basket Case. Okay. Already sounds good, doesn't it? Isn't that a Green Day song? No. Well, maybe. Mm. This movie is a true labor of love. That is, if you love zero-budget exploitation films like the ones they used to play on 42nd Street in New York City during the 70s and 80s. So before they Disney-fied the whole thing and neutered it and replaced all oh. the wonderful sleaze with Olive Gardens and M&M stores. <laughs> that M&M store, it. though, is cool. But who buys, M &M, who buys m ms like, at the M&M store? Don't you want like a, a tangerine-colored M&M? No. Oh. No, because they don't taste the same anyway. Yeah. yeah. But even better... This film takes place in that very same seedy New York underbelly <laughs> and serves as a really great snapshot of that time and place, which is sadly long gone. Well, sadly, depending upon your opinion of New York in the 70s and 80s, it's kind of a dump. Uh, so this nice, clean-cut young man named Dwayne arrives in New York City along with an odd-looking wicker basket that he he carries everywhere with him. He's very, very protective of this wicker basket, right? Hmm. There's something very special inside the basket. What is the secret Dwayne is hiding in the basket? What's in the basket? Easter eggs? What's in the basket? Clothes. What's in the basket? Open it, if you dare. case opening at our theater for you this basket contains Dwayne's deformed conjoined twin brother ew yes yes <laughs> and when i say deformed i mean deformed oh basically the twin brother whose name is belial looks kind of like a tumor with sharp teeth and claws belial yeah. belial <laughs> okay Dwayne and belial are in new york on a mission to find the doctors that cruelly separated them against their will and take their revenge. And they do. And Ooh. it's nasty. This film has everything. Gore, romance, <laughs> tumor brother puppets, tumor <laughs> brothers, stop motion animation. Ah, oh, it, it, it's, it's a classic. It's funny and creepy and sleazy and just plain fun. This movie was shot in 16 millimeter film oh, and blown wow. up to 35. So it is grainy as all get out. Right. It looks like it does look like something. And it did actually play in New York City at these awful sleazy theaters uh, like that would run 24 seven with this sort of stuff. Uh, so it really was that kind of movie about that kind of place. And it has that that kind of gritty feel to it. Yeah. But it's it's a fun movie. It's got a lot of good jump scares and gory stuff, if you like that, you know. Uh, but Basket Case is a really, really fun movie. And it was directed by kind of a cult movie sort of master uh, named Frank Hennenlauter. Uh, he also gave the world films like Frankenhooker. Yes, it's what you think what? it is. Guy, guy, you know, takes hookers, cuts them up, and puts together a, a, a one entire hooker from them. And reanimates it. Yeah. Yeah, it's what you think. It's a comedy. Uh -huh. uh, and another film called Brain Damage, which is also kind of like about a parasite that uh, attaches itself to somebody. You. And the parasite was like kind of like a New York 
kind of monster with like an accent and things. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, take my word for it. Yeah. Uh, so Basket Case gets a 6.2 out of 10. Oh, wow. On Internet Movie Database with over 14,000 reviews. I am surprised. Yes, I'm not because I love it. Uh, and a 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. What? I know, I know. You wouldn't think, but it's just a, sort of that kind of perfect movie of of weirdness and grossness. <laughs> but it doesn't take itself too seriously, so you have a good time watching it, right? It's available on Amazon Prime Video with a subscription, and it's also available on the horror streaming app Shudder. Oh, okay, yeah. And it has also spawned two sequels. You've got Basket Case 2 and Basket Case 3, The Progeny. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It was successful enough to actually have two sequels. Not that that's really a high watermark for quality in film. Right. But enough people saw it and rented the videos to warrant crappy sequels. There you go. Sharknado, case in point. Right. <laughs> so that's pick number one, Basket Case. Okay. Right. Well, uh... Okay. All right. Yeah. Follow that. So, <laughs> I am going to follow it um, the best way I know how with a family friendly flick, a triple Another F. Another triple F. Another triple Just F. Like last week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that I'm really good at, at finding these because I'm drawing back from my memory as a very solid and put together, kind and appreciated youth. Uh huh. Yeah. Anyways, my pick, right, mm -hmm. comes from 1992. And it's called Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. Oh, you're going there. I did. You're going I for, you're going for oh, Fern Gully. Yes. Wow. I yes. can't say I'm terribly surprised. <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's talk Fern Gully. So Fern Gully, directed by Bill Croyer, who he hasn't really got so many other directorial uh, titles under his name, but he worked on Tron and The Green Mile. Oh. Yeah. With both of which, and we're talking original Tron. They're so similar. <laughs> yeah you know the green mile that movie he, it messed me up for a couple of years it was ugh. anyways <laughs> moving it, on moving on it has actors such as christian slater in it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and robin williams and the fantastic amazing tim curry yes and let's mention by the way that this film is animated yes it is and that uh tim curry was the best thing about the rocky horror picture show which was terrible um, yeah. You know how much hate you got on that episode? I did. So much. I was so happy to hear that. <laughs> um, but yes, it is animated. And I think one of its perks, too, is that it doesn't belong to the Disney film or the Pixar film. It's actually a 20th Century Fox film. And that's really, you know, especially that during that time, it was an odd, uh, an odd thing because Disney had just started doing its comeback. Right. With The Little Mermaid. Yes. Followed by films like The Lion King. Exactly. Uh, so to have a another company make a film like Ferngully was a big risk. Yeah, absolutely. I think I read the producers definitely credit its success too to The Little Mermaid for bringing back that interest in animation. Um, but basically, quick breakdown if you don't know, uh, it's set in a rainforest, as the title suggests. The Last Rainforest. The Last Rainforest, which incidentally is in Australia. <laughs> Okay. Yes. Um, and in the rainforest uh, lives uh, obviously a large number of creatures, but it's specifically fairies. 
And fairies are the caretakers of the forest. You know, they heal the trees, they heal the plants, they take care of each other and the other animals. And they're just really cool little creatures. Very chill. Very chill. Um, and as with everything sort of modern day, in comes this logging company that are tearing down the trees. The, oh, exactly. Um, like the brawny men, you know, they're coming in, chopping down the trees. Making and, paper towels. Exactly. Wearing your flannels. Um <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, so this little fairy named Krista, she's really sad, of course, you know? I mean, she's seeing her home destroyed. Um, so she sees one of these loggers, his name is Zach, and she unknowingly helps um, him shrink down to a fairy size. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's now the same size as her, and he's obviously freaked out. And so they get together, and they team up, and essentially they have to save the rainforest from not only the corporations, the loggers, the people who are chopping down the trees, but the very, very evil Hexus. Hit me one time. Hit me twice. Oh! Ah! Oh! <laughs> That's rather nice. Boil and grime. Poison sludge. Diesel clouds and noxious muck. Slime beneath me, moon. Slime up above. Ooh, you love my toxic love. Hexus. That's like a if you wanted to curse at your parents and like get really angry at them, but then they wouldn't punish you because it's not really a curse. You'd be like Hexus on you. Combination shampoo conditioner. Oh, try new Hexus. <laughs> It'll help your dandruff. <laughs> no, Hexus takes the form of a very thick, tar-like black substance, who is voiced by the fantastic Tim Curry. Once again, the best thing about the Rocky Horror Picture. <laughs> We've just lost ten listeners. Um, so he represents pollution, of course, right? So he's being spewed out of the the machines that are chopping down trees and he's the main villain. And so their objection is to, or the objective is to take over um, the forest again, but, and, and usher him out. Um, so I won't necessarily ruin it, but you can, of course, um, being that it's a kid film, um, sort of understand where the plot goes. Um, I think what you can really grab from it is that, it's certainly an eco-awareness film, especially for its time. Um, it's probably a brilliant scheme to get, you know, young kids involved in the rainforest movement that young, especially with an animation film. Um, but it has some of the best uh, music, too, that I've ever heard in an anime film. It's actually uh, got Alan Silvestri as the music producer. That's pretty amazing. Yes, and he's pretty famous for a yeah. lot of Disney mm -hmm. movies and a lot of things like that. Um, but... Yeah, it's it's a it's a cute movie. It's a fantastic movie. I love the cast. I mean, Tim Curry is just so cool as Hexes. I can't stress that enough. Um, and for a 1990s film, it actually it stands up pretty well in modern day. Uh, IMDb gives it a 6.5. Metacritic gives it a 67. I'm giving it a 9.5. Wow. Yeah, it's a pretty high up there. Ooh, you almost broke the. I enamor. almost broke it. It's it's definitely not as high as Vicar of Dibley because you know how I love my English TV shows. Gotcha. But this here, it's really funny. It's cute. I love the story behind it. I love all the um, the not so Disney esque. Uh, interactions between the characters so it's not like it you almost feel like this is a little bit more of an adult animation movie um and and the cast the the, the voice cast was amazing 
but yeah it's it's like um producers have said that they wanted to be deliberate in the message that they gave to young kids to, you know protect the rainforest um you know the corporations are taking over these these lands which are so desperately needed but they don't want to be too preachy which is why i think they chose to make an animated film with robin williams yeah. in it because robin williams you know he was of course um a comedic genius yeah. and he made everything way more funny genie and aladdin yes he was a bat in this one oh that's right that's yes right. remember he remember. had like a like a weird thing right, on his head right, right right yeah yeah oh man good times so amanda yeah are, are the rainforest going to be okay well, according to the end of this film, they will be. But in real life, no. Stop oh. eating palm oil, right? Because that's killing the forest there. It's killing the tiger's livelihood. And drink it by the gallon. Yeah, it's just so bad for you anyways. Oh, terrible. Yeah. Anyways, I my pick was going to be happy. Yeah. But I think I realize in hindsight now that it wasn't so happy. Well, that's actually good because that brings us. That's a good segue to my next pick, <laughs> which is going to bring you way down anyway. <laughs> I am so surprised by that. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, if you thought my previous pick was... Gross? Wasn't, well, gross or weird enough, <laughs> I give you The Brood. Okay. Oh, yeah. You are about to journey beyond fear, beyond terror, in a major motion picture so frightening, it will devastate you totally. The Brood. David Cronenberg's ultimate experience in inner terror. They're waiting for you. The Brood. Rated R. This is a 1979 release from one of the greatest horror directors of all time, David Cronenberg. He gave us the Jeff Goldblum remake of The Fly, Ooh. as well as other great films like Scanners, Videodrome, The Dead Zone, and A History of Violence with Viggo Mortensen. Oh, man, that is such a good movie. It is such a good movie. Oh. So his early work, though, Cronenberg's early work, dealt with this concept of body horror, yeah. which is essentially the terror felt when your physical self is somehow transformed or distorted against your will by a disease or outside force. Gross. It's a primal fear that, that humans have. We all worry about disease or disfigurement. And Cronenberg's films... Uh, expertly trap uh, tap into those fears. Mm -hmm. um, so the brood combines body horror with the sort of new age movement of the seventies. A lot of people were trying to find themselves. Uh, they were experimenting with different forms of emotional therapy. Uh, a lot of them were really kind of weird and sort of, you know, hippy dippy and kind of strange. Um, there was primal scream therapy, which, uh, taught you to just sort of scream out your emotions. Uh, there's transcendental meditation became popular then. Um, there were certain cult-like organizations. Uh, one, there's one called Est that was that would sort of just sort of emotionally break you down to try to get to the core of who you are and try to you know uh, so that you would just be a complete like sort of mess and try to build yourself back up. I thought most people in sevens just did cocaine and went to dance clubs. This was after that. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, this is why they had to do that. So, oh. <laughs> because these other things didn't work. Uh, so it was trying to, you know, basically there was all these weird ways to try to, you know, have you live up to your real potential, find out your true self, all that kind of junk. Because <laughs> we all know that none of that works. <sighs> the Brood, however, introduces us to uh, uh, another bizarre form of therapy. So uh, it takes place uh, mostly in the what's called the Soma Free Institute of Psychoplasmics. What? So, yes. This is a bizarre form of therapy where patients learn how to manifest 
their emotional problems physically in the form of sores, scabs, or other lesions on your skin. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So they, they learn how to just take these negative emotions and just physically manifest them on their bodies. It, it's it's very, very creepy. Well, I mean, I, when I get stressed, I do get acne. See that that's same kind, kind of, of thing. It's cause, uh, same kind of thing, sort of. I would, you know, maybe, maybe it, it you know, that works. It <laughs> works. So one of the patients uh, at this institute is a woman named Nola, and she's been isolated at the institute because of her many emotional issues, including going through a, a nasty custody battle with her husband over their young daughter. Nola, however, doesn't just manifest her emotional distress as mere skin disease or sores. She gives birth to horribly deformed children, which are the brood. These rage babies feed off their mother's anger and they go on a killing rampage. And there's lots of graphic shots of her like giving birth to these rage babies that are kind of really just weird looking and deformed and gross. And basically they're like children, but they're killer deformo children. Ew. Yeah, so not a triple F no. film at all. No. So the, the basic premise, though, is, is pretty sound, which is that if you do not deal with your negative emotions in a healthy way, they will erupt in other maybe destructive ways. Okay. And there are no shortcuts when it comes to dealing with them. It's a much deeper movie than it seems on the surface is when I talk about it. But if you can get through the more gruesome elements, there's a lot to unpack. It really has a lot to say about how people deal with uh, stress, how people deal with anger, mm. and the ways that that can manifest themselves if you if you push it down too far sure, or internalize yeah. it. It's not for the faint of heart at all, and or stomach, by the way. <laughs> uh, but it's something that I highly recommend. It's very, very interesting. It's 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 a low-budget film, but it's, it's shot very well. Uh, it was made in Canada. Uh, it's, it's really, really a very interesting kind of movie, but you have to be, you know, you have to know what you're getting into when you see it. Now the brood has a rating of 6.9. Oh, wow. On the internet movie database and a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. Color me shocked. Yeah. Yeah. I, but it is really good. And it's not just like good, campy, good or silly good. It's good. <laughs> it's available to rent for $3 and 99 cents on Google play iTunes, Amazon Prime Video, and YouTube. And uh, I also do have uh, a few a few other mentions, honorable mentions, I would sure. say. So you can't go wrong with Critters. <laughs> One, yeah. two, three, and four. There's four of them? There's four of them. Then there's Ghoulies. Huh. One, two, and Ghoulies three, Ghoulies go to college. I'm not making that up. <laughs> Disregard Ghoulies four. It does not preserve the class and dignity of the other films. Just saying. Wow. All right. Yeah, that's important. And last but least, the 1987 classic Munchies. <laughs> These are, of course, all Gremlins ripoffs. Yeah. That somehow lasted a lot longer than the Gremlins franchise itself. Which is sad. It is sad. Yeah. Because these were terrible movies. But <laughs> you got to wonder, you know, the, the, all these weird spinoffs managed to, you know, survive for decades. I have no idea how or why, but they're there. And uh, those movies, my my honorable mentions, are all available to rent on most streaming services. What do you think? 
I think I forgot to tell people they can watch Fern Gully on YouTube, Amazon, iTunes, and Google Play for $3.99. I'm really sorry about that. Well, no, you just did. Yeah. See that? I just did. You redeemed yourself, much like yeah. we are trying to redeem the majestic rainforest. Yeah. <laughs> if you'd like to know, uh, I, don't, I don't have anything yeah, prepared for that. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. All right. I think wow. we're good. That was good. That yeah. That was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Thank you to everyone who stuck with us for this two-part series. Maybe we'll do it again. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. On behalf of Manda, Goliathon, Goliathon, and myself, Tomathon, I don't know, <laughs> that doesn't work. That does it for another streaming pile of what we call the Deep Dive <laughs> Podcast. Thanks to everyone who managed to make it through this episode, especially those of you unable to reach the pause button. <clears throat> Stay tuned for a new episode of Teabagging, the podcast devoted to the tea drinking connoisseur. Whether it's loose teas, instant teas, bag teas, or Mr. Teas, everyone loves teabagging. <laughs> Taking us out today is our special friend, Finn, the deep dive dog. Oh, Finn. Finn, here, boy. Here, boy. Hey, wait, where, oh, where's, where's Finn? Did you? I think they took him for a walk. Outside? Uh-oh. Oh, okay. Um, let, let's, let's, let's wrap this up. Finn? Finn! Special thanks to Spirits of the Symphonic and Echocraft for our amazing theme music. Links to both artists can be found on our website, thedeepdivepodcast.podbean.com. If you like us, you can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, Overcast, or wherever fine podcasts are found. The Deep Dive Podcast is a production of Automaton Media. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast.